But at number one, Quinnipiac's Brogan Rafferty. Look at this no-look behind-the-back pass, setting up Desi Burghardt in the slot. It would go top shelf for the goal, and the top play from the nice from the ice. What's up and welcome back. It's episode number 17 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. I'm Dan Ball. And I'm Matt McAuliffe. And I'm Chase Prisky. And uh, this is kind of a, we didn't announce this at the beginning, but Chase Prisky is here as the third guy in the studio. We were recording the rundown and we figured we'd feature a little something extra. So Chase, first of all, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, so there, there's a specific reason why you wanted to come in here today. Uh, actually, Matt, why don't, why, don't you have, why don't you tell the people what's been going on with Chase? Uh, if you haven't listened, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, it's kind of been the recent campaign. Uh, hashtag Chase the Hobie. That's C H A S E. Uh, Chase is one of the nominees for the Hobie Baker Award, which is the MVP of college hockey. And uh, the Quinnipiac community is kind of gathering around him and trying to get some uh, fan votes for him before uh, I think the hockey writers kind of narrowed the list down. Right. Uh, so, Chase. You're in this. You're one of the 80 plus guys that were originally nominated. First of all, I mean, what does it mean to you to be nominated? Oh, it's very special. Growing up, you watch college hockey and to see all that names on the list that have been nominated for Hobie Baker. It's uh, it's a great nomination and it's a great feature. But at the same time, uh, we still have a lot of work to be done for the season. So uh, the uh, the social media campaign has been uh, been going on now for the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know what? What have you noticed about the the social media love that you've gotten and uh, some of the people that may be reaching out that you wouldn't have expected? Uh, it's pretty crazy. I didn't uh, really expect to see uh, the whole Quinnipiac community kind of rally around and pull together and start voting for myself. And uh, just to see how big our community kind of expands is uh, pretty mind-boggling. So it's been pretty cool to see that. Matt McAuliffe, uh, how can we give Chase our love here in this this Hobie race? you got to go and vote. Vote every day. Set a reminder in your phone. Uh, there is a link on the website as well as a link, I believe, in the men's ice hockey Twitter as well. So um, that's how you can go and vote. You can vote every day, once a day. So make sure you go do that. It's uh, hobiebaker.com slash vote. Go in, pick Chase. He's easy to pick out. He's got the yellow home jersey on like we talked about. Uh, they'll, make, they'll make you verify through Facebook, but that's that's nothing too crazy to do. And uh, then you can see the results, see how he's doing so far. So uh, anyways, we're going to talk about Chase and the men's ice hockey team as well as every other team going on right now in the week that was in Quinnipiac Athletics. <laughs> Quinnipiac's men's soccer sophomore Paulo Soares has been selected to participate in a pair of games for the Cape Verdean national team. Soares will play in two games versus Portugal for the Cape Verdean national team. The games will take place on January 28th and January 30th. The midfielder will play in one U19 contest and one U20 game. Soares will be playing for the national team for the second time as he played with Cape Verdean in U16 and during the 2014 Olympics, believe it or not. So uh, congratulations to uh, Suarez for getting getting nominated to the Cape Verde national team. A great honor. Two, two weeks in a row that we've seen some great things coming out of the men's soccer program. So I'm sure there's more to come. Women's tennis was idle this past week. However, they head to Fordham University for a match this Saturday at 7 p.m. Go Bobcats. 
Uh, for the men's tennis team, Patrick Cacapero and Alistair Magalit picked up a doubles win for the Bobcats as Quinnipiac men's tennis dropped a non-conference match versus Yale 7-0 on Saturday afternoon in New Haven. Uh, freshman Alexa Martinovich has been named the MAC Men's Tennis Player of the Week, as announced by the conference office on Wednesday. Martinovich earned the program's lone singles win of the week. This was last week, Saturday versus Binghamton. He now has nine singles wins in 2018-19. So a fantastic season so far for Martinovich. He'll continue to lead the men's tennis team as they play here through the spring. The women's indoor track team. They ran in the Terrier Invite this past Friday. Emily Wolf finished second in the 5,000-meter run with a time just over 16 and a half minutes. Kaliana Botello finished fifth in the high jump. The track team is back in action this Friday and Saturday as they run in the New England Championships, which is one of my favorite events. Absolutely. Men's hockey was back in action as they beat Holy Cross Crusaders 4-1 to last Tuesday night. Goals were scored by Brandon Fortunato, Alex Whelan, William Falstrom, and Desi Burgart. Andrew Shortridge started his fifth straight game and picked up his 10th win on the season, stopping 25 out of 26 shots. The Bobcats were off this past weekend but moved up to number 5 in the, both the USCHO and USA Today polls. They also received one first-place vote in the USCHO poll. That is the first time Quinnipiac has received a first-place vote in the USCHO.com poll since September 26, 2016, in the preseason poll after the Bobcats reached the national championship game. The Bobcats are on the road again for a weekend series, which starts at number 10 Clarkson Friday night at 7 p.m. before concluding in St. Lawrence the following night also at 7 p.m. And uh, Matt, uh, we, we wrote that on the rundown. I think you got to give Chase a little bit of an idea uh, how we talk about these road games <laughs> these here road trips? Uh, for the Bobcats. The yeah. Bobcats are going to be on the road again. <laughs> Women's Hockey split their weekend series at Minnesota Duluth this past weekend. They dropped the Friday game by a score of 3-1 with Lexi Agia scoring the lone goal. The Bobcats responded with a huge 2-1 win the next afternoon. Down 1-0 in the second period, Taylor House tied the score with her sixth goal of the season right after a power play expired. Just 19 seconds later, Laura Lundblad scored her second goal in the past three games to give QU the lead, and they would hang on to win. Abby Ives over the weekend stopped 57 of 61 shots. She continues to shine in net for the Bobcats. And Quinnipiac is finally back home this weekend as they welcome Clarkson to the Frank Parati Jr. Arena on Friday night before wrapping up the weekend at home against St. Lawrence on Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Dude, it's been a month since they've been home. It's been, I, I swear to God, I'm pretty sure it's been since December. They they yeah. left for the winter break and were on the road and after a, a long trip out to the middle of nowhere in Minnesota Duluth they are finally back home here for some ECAC games. Once again, we move from the cold to the court. As women's basketball continues to roll in MAC play, they are now 8-0 and this season. They beat Siena College 68-31 to Friday morning at home. Aaron McClure led the way, scoring 16 points, while Paige Warfel, she picked up her first double-double with 12 points and 10 rebounds. The first quarter featured very little offense on either end, but the Bobcats held Siena to one field goal. That's two points. In the first quarter. Not a ton of points there, Matt. No, no. It is the lowest point total in a single quarter by any Quinnipiac opponent this season and the second lowest all time. How can you get lower than two, Dan? Zero? Uh, You're you're darn close. Yeah, that's about as low as you can go. They hit the road on Sunday and beat Iona by a score of 76-39. to Brittany Martin led all scorers with 16 points and shot four for five from beyond the arc. Four Bobcats finished the game in double figures and scoring as Paige Warfel totaled 13 points Aaron McClure had 12, Adele Thornton had 11. 
Quinnipiac forced 31 turnovers. It's the third time they forced at least 31 turnovers this season. Their turnover margin that we've been watching all year is now at 8.32. Yeah, that's, that's higher than last week. <laughs> absolutely. They it's are a good turnover fifth, higher. They are fifth in the country. The Bobcats return to action this Friday at 7 p.m. with a game at Monmouth before returning home to kick off a three-game homestand on Sunday afternoon against Ryder. Now, Dan... I was at that that Iona game. Yes, they looked impressive. Really, they they are moving the ball well, and the defense is so fundamentally sound, so fundamentally sound. That's one of the things that jumps off the paper, really. And I mean, we've brought up this turnover margin because it's still continuing to skyrocket when they do things like force thirty-one turnovers. But that's one of the first things that you see from this team. Not only are they putting up points, but man, oh man, do these uh, these MAC teams have have trouble scoring against them. And the last team on today's rundown and the team that we're focusing on for today's episode is the men's basketball team. They swept their two games this weekend. They kicked off the weekend with a 92-78 win at Marist on Friday night. The Bobcats went 30-for-55 from the field, good for a 54.5 shooting percentage. Cam Young led the way with 29 points, which at the time moved him 11 points away from 1,000. So keep that in the back pocket. Rich Kelly also added 22 points, four assists, and three rebounds, going six for 10 from the floor. Abdullah Bundu turned in another solid performance, posting 14 points and seven rebounds on six of seven shooting. The Bobcats followed that game up with another MAC win, 77 to 58 over St. Peter's on Sunday at home. Cam Young had 28 points in the win and became the 41st student athlete in program history to record 1,000 points. So congratulations to him on the amazing accomplishment. Jacob Ragoni, meanwhile, he added 16 points, going 3-for-5 from 3-point distance and 4-for-4 four four from the free-throw line. Ragoni has now scored 10-plus points in 10 games for the Bobcats. Rich Kelly scored 7 points to go along with a team-best 6 assists. He now has recorded a team-high 5 assists per contest in 2018-19. And for his efforts, Cameron Young was named the MAC Player of the Week for the second time this season. Young has scored a conference-best 20.8 points per game to go along with 4.6 rebounds and 1.8 assists so far this season, recording double-digit point totals in 18 of 19 games so far this year. The Bobcats are on the road this weekend, traveling to Canisius for a game Friday night at 7 p.m. before heading to Niagara for a 2 p.m. tip on Sunday. And Matt McAuliffe, that is the team that we are focusing on for today's episode. We are talking to two sophomores on the basketball team. It's Jacob Rigoni and Rich Kelly. And these guys are interesting because not only are they really good friends off the court, obviously they're teammates on the court, but they have almost completely different stories of how they came up playing basketball, Kelly being from Connecticut and Rigoni coming from Australia, but somehow they both ended up coming to Quinnipiac. No, yeah, Dan, I completely agree. These two are good players, and they are definitely a part of the offensive heartbeat for this team, for sure. They're definitely in the Baker Dunleavy plan for success, and two really skilled guys. And you could see, especially you know when when the team was missing Rich Kelly, he really leads that offense. And with he all does. due, I mean, Jacob Rigoni is probably the best perimeter shooter they have, but Rich Kelly is the leader. He's the floor general on offense, and you can see that they're starting to pick it up, especially with two wins over the weekend. Uh, so being able to have both of these guys in the lineup is very important. So we talked to both of them. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with them. We talked about how they both found Quinnipiac. The story of you know when they found out that Tom Moore was leaving and Baker Dunleavy was coming in, what went through their minds, uh, why they 
ended up staying at Quinnipiac and then how they've tried to build this program being Baker Dunleavy's first class coming in last year. So uh, before we go, Chase Prisky, thank you so much for joining us here for the rundown. Thanks for having me. And a blast. Uh, make sure that you go online to HobieBaker.com slash vote. Vote for Chase Prisky. If you can give us one tagline, Chase, for why the fans should vote for you, why is that? Hashtag Chase the Hobie. That's all you need to hear. Let's hear from Jacob Rigoni and Rich Kelly. And we're back here on episode number 17 of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And we're joined by two stud sophomore members of the men's basketball team, Rich Kelly and Jacob Rigoni. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks, for, having us. thanks, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, so, first off, uh, you know, we, we kind of start this with a lot of um, a lot of the the guys, the players, and coaches that we have on the team. Uh, whoever wants to start, kind of the story about how you guys ended up at Quinnipiac, the recruiting process, and when you were like, "Yeah, no, this is the this is the place that I want to go." Um, so I'm from Australia. Um, I was lucky enough to sort of represent my country a couple times, like probably a year before. The college decision was approaching and had some success over there and took a took a visit here in I'd say April of the like two months before our July summer period and there was one of my Australian coaches back home that sort of knew me worked with coach Dunleavy at Villanova and then when coach got the job here he sort of connected us and I guess coach watched some of my film flew me over for a visit and mum and I came here and we just love it we fell in love with the program all the people around campus Met Richie on my visit. He was already committed, so he came up to meet me, and I just knew this was the spot for me to have a good life, basketball-wise, but more importantly, be comfortable here, away from home, and with great people around me. So you were you were in contact with Coach Dunleavy before the whole Quinnipiac transition was made, right? Uh, not not before he got the job. When oh, not he before job, he got the yeah, job. Okay. Sort of at Villanova, and then yeah. he came here, and then my coaches connected me with him, and we got to know each other a little bit, and then he offered me. And I flew out here, and we had a great time. Okay, Rich, same story. Because I mean, I know you're you're coming from in the Connecticut area, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I did a post grad year at Cheshire Academy. Uh, I went to I graduated from Fairfield Prep. I didn't have any offers, Division One or two, and then I went to Cheshire Academy and got some Division Two in the fall, and then um, I started getting some Division One during the season. I was playing pretty well, and uh, Tom Moore, uh, the former coach, offered me. Um, after coming to see one of my teammates play, he, he saw me and thought I could be a good fit. And then uh, I was, you know, I, I liked him and I loved the school and I was probably, you know, going to commit. And then he got fired and it kind of threw my, my world in a whack. Uh, I had to reconsider some things. And then luckily Coach Dunleavy got the job and uh, my dad uh, knows Coach Tom Pecora um, through like usual friends and stuff. So he reached out to him and told him about like my interest in the school and um, all that, and they I think they they looked at some film and stuff and decided to kind of like reoffer me, and uh, I committed like 15 minutes into meeting Coach Dunleavy, so I, I kind of knew <laughs> I wanted to come here already. Wow, what so what was it about about coaching that that first meeting that you were like, okay, yeah, this is I I still want to be here. Uh, well, the first thing I noticed was his suit. <laughs> so I was like, wow, that's a sharp suit. Man. This guy, he knows what he's doing. But, uh, yeah, so he, he came to Cheshire Academy. about 15 minutes down the road. And uh, we sat in the school cafeteria. And he was kind of just telling me, like, his vision for the program. And uh, he didn't really, like, promise me anything. But uh, I could see that it was, like, a, 
it was a good opportunity to come in and try to you know be a part of something that I thought was going to be successful. Um, so I kind of just jumped at the opportunity. Was there any uh, anything in the back of your mind that wanted to keep you in Connecticut for college? Um, yeah, I think by the end of the process, I realized like how cool it would be to be closer to home. Uh, I was probably down to here in Marist, um, and Marist is like a really good, really good school too. It's very similar to Quinnipiac, but um, I just felt like this was a better option basketball wise, and it was also like thirty minutes closer. I mean, it's only thirty minutes from my house, and Marist is like an hour and a half. So. Throughout my high school career, I never really thought about going to Quinnipiac. I thought if I ever went to school in Connecticut, it would be Fairfield. Okay, yeah. I went to Fairfield Prep on the campus of Fairfield. And uh, then I went to Cheshire Academy and came closer to Quinnipiac and started looking at it. I realized how, how good of a spot it was. So, uh, Jacob, we had we had three members, uh, international members of the women's team yeah. um, on last week's episode. So I kind of want to a- ask you the same question that I did with them. So, I mean, obviously you grew up playing in Australia your entire life. So um, have you seen a difference between the game when you were playing in Australia and uh, when you came over to the U.S.? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of, sort of different rules that it took me a little while to understand. Maybe like the substitutions usually you sort of just run. From the bench onto the court. Now I got to tell the tell the officials, and sometimes that gets me in trouble. <laughs> a couple um, lane violations on the free throws, like you step in. Right. Yeah. Early, but it's a little different rules. But I think coming here, I was I felt a similar connection to the things that I valued back home about playing in a team, and that Coach Dunleavy valued, and it was sort of the opportunity for everyone to play and the style of play that they want, which was sort of a winning style rather than different guys getting their own. And I think. Like the opportunity that I have here is a lot greater than something I probably would have back home right now just to develop my game and someone to give me the opportunity. Like I'd, I had no idea if I'd be playing my first two years here or not, but I knew that I'd have an opportunity because he didn't treat, he didn't have preferential treatment over anyone and if I was good enough I knew I'd end my opportunity and that was something important to me. So one of the things that you mentioned, we 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 met a little bit earlier and we actually uh, somehow the podcast came up because I think you said your parents have listened yeah, to it in the past. So always pulling out some facts from the show. <laughs> so awesome. uh, I apologize in advance to your parents yeah. for for this week's episode, but I actually want to ask you about your dad because um, you know it said when I was when I was doing a little research on you that uh, you played for your father mm-hmm. uh, in a couple years before you came yeah. uh, to the United States. So uh, just kind of kind of tell me about that. So what was the, what was it like first of all playing for your dad and did you get any extra kind of value out of playing for him as opposed to just some other coach growing up yeah I think it was it was pretty awesome so dad's he's a he's a bit of a legend back home at the Sturt Sabres and he sort of coached the men team there and as a young kid I remember watching him coach that team and sort of looking up to those players and then I guess the years go by and I keep getting better and better then when I was 16 I was lucky enough to to play for that team and it was sort of a tough position for him I don't think he always wanted to coach me because of yeah all the external stuff. It's kind of then, it can be a conflict of interest yeah, if it yeah. That's what he was doing, and yeah, I ended up playing for his team, and it was it was pretty awesome. Like I think he pushed me a lot, maybe more than some other players on the team, just because he saw maybe some potential in me, and he you know, obviously had a different kind of love, and he got a lot. And I think it was tough at times for him to because he wanted me to do well so bad, but you don't want to be too hard and yeah. Sometimes, maybe he didn't play me as much because he didn't want to be too biased. But at the end of the day, we had a great experience. We made it to two championships. We didn't quite get it done, but it was a pretty special time in my life, like competing with someone and someone I've grown up with, and like he's done a lot for me, and 
obviously, but it was pretty awesome. Mm. So we're putting this on record that you were never given any kind of preferential treatment and yeah. anything like that. Okay. That's just for the, for the listeners out yeah. in Australia, We'd just to make to sure that. if you're, yeah. if you're going to the Sabres, <laughs> then yeah, they'll, they'll like to know that, that there's nothing like that. So, uh, before we talk about this year's team, um, Rich, you went through something at the beginning of the year, uh, kind of a, a freak injury of sorts. Um, so I kind of wanted to ask you about, about that experience and, and the, you know, the rehab process and, you know, how, how you're feeling now as opposed to, you know, a couple, a couple months prior and how long it really kind of took you to come back to full form. Yeah. Um, so I, I tore my MCL in our last scrimmage against Princeton, like a couple, maybe like five minutes into the game. I went up for like a layup and a 6'10 guy was like guarding me and my right leg landed on the ground and his uh, his leg landed on my on the side of my leg, on the outside lo- side of my leg. And uh, the inside of my knee is the MCL and I tore it. And uh, it's pretty devastating just because I was really looking forward to the season the entire year, especially uh, going up against Nova and kind of getting to measure myself against that caliber of a team. Um, selfishly at least that, that's what I was looking for <laughs> right of course yeah and uh you know maybe maybe upsetting them and you know starting the season off that way with uh, with the rest of the guys but I wasn't in the cards and uh had to just take it day by day it was a five-week process uh, no surgery and Sarah uh, our trainer did a great job just uh keeping me patient and coach B helped me get the strength back and uh I mean, I, I think I played a day of two-on-two two, and then one day of, like, five-on-five, five, like, a little bit, and then I played in the Stony Brook game, and I was supposed to play about, like, ten minutes, and I went in there, and I was – I don't know how, um, but I was playing pretty well, and uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but stuff was just working. And uh, <laughs> One of those games, like, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain, games, yeah. <laughs> so he, uh, he – Coach Dunleavy asked if he could play me a little bit more, and he did. And uh, so I did that, and then we played Dartmouth, and I played like 33 minutes. I was dying. I had like no conditioning, but <laughs> we got that one done too. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of just learning on the fly. Just There was no real time to just like recuperate back in nice and smoothly. Right. Um, I hadn't played in like five weeks, and all of a sudden I'd played two Division One games in like a span of like four days. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I wasn't – I didn't feel like great um, just like – didn't feel like I was playing my best basketball uh, until we reached like the conference. Uh, we had we had like a two weeks off or a week off from playing against other teams, and I was able to just kind of find myself uh, mentally at least on the court, and uh, kind of got some stuff under wraps. And my knee was feeling good, and then I started you know playing how I how I thought I should have been playing. It's kind of I mean it's a nice. Uh confidence boost almost to be like oh yeah no we can just go right out and try this and yeah. and not not really have any uh any thoughts behind it uh without having to overthink anything so i want to ask both of you guys you guys were both in the first class of the baker dunleavy era that's what it was heralded within student media and everything oh it's the new era of of quinnipiac basketball so just kind of kind of give me a taste of what it's like to play for a guy like this. What are you guys doing on a practice day, on a game day? How does he get this team in top shape to be able to compete each game? Um, what I like playing for Coach Dunleavy, I think he's he's very open like with his communication. Um, he kind of like lets you know what you need to do to help the team. And uh, he's very poised and under control a lot of the time. 
and so like you, he doesn't like some guys that lose their cool they might lose credibility with the with the team but he stays uh under control of his emotions a lot which which i like to see and um you know he just he really knows the game and like everything he says like i don't think there's anything that he said where i've been like i don't really agree with that like everything <laughs> he says makes sense so i mean i i really enjoy playing for him jacob same I question think, i think his um concept on sort of that being here every day and like we say be here now which means sort of focus on the day that we've got right now to get better rather than where we want to be a week down the track whether it's a game at the end of the week or like say in March when we have different goals then but to get to those goals that we want we got to be here now and bring it every single day and if we do that I think we'll like the results that we're at and him preaching that the whole year I think it was a different concept for the team last year from I'm not sure what they valued before that but seeing our journey last year we're having a lot of tough losses and it's easy to break apart when that happens but I think like one of the strongest points of our team last year was that we brought it every day and we ended up being the best version of ourselves by the end of the season and I think going into this year since we had that success we can sort of look back on that and the guys coming in see that we were committed to those values and if we can replicate that this year bring it every day we have a higher ceiling for the for the run home this year. Actually, uh, I want to ask you about that. So the um, last year, the run to the MAC semifinals, uh, you know, the win against Siena and then the upset against Canisius. So, I mean, you know, you, you come in as, I believe it was the number seven seed in the MAC coming, so, into, the, yeah. coming into the tournament. And, you know, what, what was it like from your guys' perspective, especially as a freshman coming in with, you know, not necessarily championship expen- expectations within the MAC tournament, but oh, my God, we just upset the number two team. You know, what, what was that experience like for you guys, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I think it was, it was pretty awesome, those, those two games for us. And I think within the team, although our record didn't show it throughout the season, we had a belief, like I said, that we had put everything in we could to get there at the start of the season, and we knew the losses. We learned a lot from the losses. We had a lot of close battles, and we knew we could take that into the games going forward. Like, like Coach likes to say, We've been in this situation before and we've we've experienced the worst that can happen and to be honest like it's not that bad so there's nothing to fear we go out and do what we do and we're able to have success from that so you meant you mentioned goals uh what goals does the 2018-19 squad have it can either be you know short term long term whatever you guys have said uh i think we try to stay consistent we just getting better every day uh one day at a time because uh if we're able to do that then uh, you know, hopefully we can achieve the ultimate goal, which is winning a championship. But if you have your eyes on a championship each day, it's uh, you're not going to be able to get it done because you're focused on the long term and not uh, the day-to-day process of it. Same thing for you? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think basketball-wise, we have a lot of talented players on our team, and it's about just continuing to come together and learning how to play, each other, play off each other. I think we're going to be able to score against anyone. It's about defensively coming together, and I think that's why we've had success the last two games because we've sort of stepped up for each other and playing a much better t- team defense and it's a lot of fun to play in when everyone's doing their part and we we don't care who gets the glory. All right, gentlemen. So before we go, uh, we always ask three questions, the same three questions to each of our guests. These are the real thinkers to kind of get to know you on more of a, a personal side question. So uh, whoever wants to start, the first one is if you can live anywhere in the world that isn't Hampton, Connecticut, because obviously this would be the number one choice, where would it be and why? I'm not sure. I guess <laughs> maybe Adelaide, Australia. Like You go back home. My family's there. Yeah. yeah. 
Is, is there anywhere else in Australia that you could um, see yourself living, maybe? Maybe the Gold Coast or, like, Queensland, Brisbane. It's nice beaches, nice weather, and it's a lot to do. I always love the theme parks there. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I'd like to travel the world and hopefully keep playing basketball across yeah. the world, whether that's back in Australia or who knows. So we can travel, yeah. but probably still yeah, set up a home base in, our, in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rich, same question. Um, I'd probably say... Greece, Greece is pretty nice. I've seen a lot of pictures. <laughs> never, never been, but uh, a lot of history. Like I, I like the Greek mythology and all that. Yeah. And like the Odyssey, and I hear there's a lot of cool islands out there. So I think that's a, that's a spot I'd like to live for a couple of years one day. It's very exotic. Wow. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like that pick. Exotic guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next question: uh, If you could have dinner with one person, either alive or deceased, who would it be, and why? Can also be one of each. We've had some people do family members, members of their their sport. You know, we had uh, I think Adele Thornton was the one that said she wanted to do LeBron James, which would be a pretty interesting height difference between probably five five foot nothing Adele and and LeBron. But um, shout out to her. Yeah. Either of you guys. I enjoy having dinner with my dad, but I mean I have dinner with him a lot. So <laughs> I'd probably say uh, Steve Nash. I'm a big fan of his and. Uh, I'd like to just like pick his brain on a lot of things and I watch a lot of like videos off the court and he seems like a good dude, so probably him I'd probably dinner As a guard, is he one of the guys that you kinda of tried to model your game after? Uh yeah, definitely someone I tried to model my game after and I looked up to and you know, he's like a six foot uh white guy, so he's like kinda of shares a lot of the same physical traits as I do. Right. And uh I try to just, you know, see where he was successful and try to implement some of that into my game. Of course. Yeah. Check him. Um, probably some of my family members f- that were before I was alive and sort of understand that we got a background in Italy and they sort of came over to Australia so I'd like to hear about their life and how they ended up in Australia and the history behind my family. Okay. Uh, and the last one, this is probably the toughest one. Um, you are on death row. What is your last meal, your dinner, your drink, and your dessert? Probably sushi. Really? Yeah. Okay. Ever since coming to America, we, we go to sushi a lot and <laughs> I fell in love with it. Rich t- sort of took me under his wing and. Where's the spot? Really Where's the spot around here? Um, either Kumo. My parents loved that. We were, we were mm. in there probably four times over the three weeks they were here. <laughs> um, or Sushi Palace if if we're really hungry. That's a good eat. spot. Yeah. yeah. All you can eat for yeah. around twenty bucks a person. Yeah. yeah that's a. Spend that... a couple hours there. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, what about drink? Yeah, chalky milk, chocolate milk. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any dessert, or I mean, you could do uh, more sushi. I, you know, whatever. Like a sticky date pudding by my sister. She makes a good sticky date pudding. Jazz. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Um, not off the top of my head. Like dates. Yeah. And then sugar. Okay. And some caramel sauce, some ice cream on the side. Oof. I remember that from a couple of years ago. It's been a while, but I'd love to have some. <laughs> I mean, I, I love the concept yeah. of it, so yeah, if I ever get the yeah. chance, okay. I think I might go with uh, probably a ham and cheese sandwich on like a nice hoagie roll. Nice. Uh, with, nice. Some, with some mayo, light mayo. Got to watch my figure. <laughs> See, lost and, uh, yeah, watch my figure. There you go. I mean, I'm, I'm cemented like yeah. that for the rest of the eternity, <laughs> so I got to look good. And uh, probably some chocolate milk, 2%. Okay. 
And uh, can't watch this figure too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, for my dessert, hmm, I really enjoy like uh, like twist ice cream, like chocolate and vanilla. So Ooh. I'll probably go probably go with uh, there's like a place in Fairfield, Sunny Days, um, like a chocolate vanilla twist soft serve with like they have this like M M&M and M cone. So I probably go. We had that in the summer, so yeah, I'll probably go summer, with that. Yeah. That's good. It's a good one to end it on. That's yeah. That's a, that's a great spot to end it. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, congratulations. Five and three so far uh, this year in the MAC. Good luck with uh, everything moving forward the season. Thanks very much. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Thanks so much to Jacob Ragoni and Rich Kelly for joining us here on episode number seventeen of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast. And that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you go online to QuinnipiacBobcats.com. You can get everything you may need: roster stats, tickets merch, whatever you happen to think of, it's right there on QuinnipiacBobcats.com. Make sure you follow all of the social media accounts. It's at QU underscore MBB if you want to follow the men's basketball program, so make sure you do. Matt McAuliffe, if we want to follow you, how should we? Nothing's changed. At M. McAuliffe 7. At M. McAuliffe 7. And uh, Chase Prisky, if we want to follow you on the socials and promote you, how can we? Uh, All my socials the same. At Prisky 4. My last name, number four. Pretty simple. About as simple as it gets. That's it. Where's the number four from, quickly? Because you were uh, 13. My high school number. Oh. Number four during high school, number four playing juniors, and then I got to college and they gave me number 13. So <laughs> uh, that was it. Well, luckily, yes, things seem to work out decently well. But, yeah, make sure you follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Prisky4. And I'm at Dan Ball, B-A-H-L. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. theme song of the Quinnipiac Athletics Podcast is Wire and Flashing Lights by Professor Click. Click.